This is episode 260 about building endurance and boosting your aerobic fitness with low, medium, and higher risk training strategies. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and this episode is a solo episode. I'm going to help you build your aerobic fitness so that you can keep on achieving all of the running goals that you have, because ultimately, endurance is the number one physical skill that us distance runners really want to build. Now, if you're new to the Strength Running Podcast, this show features training conversations, coaching calls, and experts in the running space to elevate your thinking about the sport. I want to help you make wiser decisions about your training so that you can keep improving. Because if you better understand the process of improvement, when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. But Strength Running is not just a podcast. Don't miss our growing YouTube channel where we have hundreds of videos on injury prevention for runners, short strength workouts, how to determine your aerobic pace zones, and a lot more. Go to youtube.com slash strengthrunning, subscribe, and you'll see every video that we publish. And strengthrunning.com is where all of this began. Since 2010, we've been helping runners around the world improve their performances with our award-winning blog, our free email courses on topics like strength training, nutrition, injury prevention, and improving your mindset. Plus, all of Strength Running's coaching and training programs to help you accomplish your biggest running goals. You can learn more about those at strengthrunning.com coaching. Now, a quick message about our sponsors. They make this show sustainable. I could not do it without them. So if you want to continue listening, use the links and discount codes I will soon provide. It signals to them that this show is worth supporting. Thank you so much. First, check out Impossible Sleep, a new performance sleep drink to help high performers get the most out of their nightly rest. Impossible Sleep is a melatonin-free sleep drink mix that provides deep recovery while gently lulling you to sleep. I gotta say, I forgot to bring this with me at last week's running retreat, and I regretted it. I had some sleep issues, I was in a new place, and I really wish I had a very simple supplement to help me fall asleep and stay asleep. Don't let that be you, so go to impossible.co slash Jason, and be sure to use code Jason20 to save 20% on your first subscription order. We are also supported by Sky, a high-performance running apparel brand with minimalist urban design inspirations from Scandinavia. I was fortunate to receive a pair of tights and a long-sleeve shirt from them, and the design is this unique blend of performance and incredible style. I feel like a model every time I run in them. Learn more about this unique brand at saysky.us. That's S-A-Y-S-K-Y dot U-S. Okay, my friends, let's get to the business of helping you become a better runner. On today's episode, I'm going to outline several strategies for building endurance. Endurance is the cornerstone of our physical capabilities as runners. It allows us to maintain a fast pace. It allows us to run long. And the good news is that our aerobic development can theoretically continue to be built for decades. It doesn't have a cap. And that's why I never like to tell a runner what their ultimate potential may be. It just depends on how diligent you are about building your endurance over the long term. 
There are many ways of building endurance. So I'm going to structure this as least to most risky. Some strategies will undoubtedly be easier than others, while some have a much higher injury risk. So treat this episode as an a la carte buffet. Choose what you're interested in based on your injury risk. And ideally, perhaps you'll incorporate all of these strategies into your training. Let's start with a strategy that has the least risk for injuries, running higher mileage. Higher mileage is something that my college coach pushed all of us to embrace because he understood that it unlocked doors. It allowed you to get stronger so that you could run faster and it really helped you take your performances to the next level. Now the key with running higher mileage is that when you are in that building process, when you start to experience new mileage levels that you've never done before, we have to keep most of those efforts really, really easy. In fact, they should probably be a recovery effort. Now, I like to tell runners to follow the three C's of easy running. If your running is comfortable, it just feels like you could do this for a very long time. If your running is conversational, if you are running with someone, you could have mostly a full conversation back and forth. And if you feel in control, you don't feel like you're stretching, you don't feel like you're pushing, you don't feel like you're flailing about, and sometimes that can happen in very hard workouts or races. If you feel comfortable, in control, and conversational, you are most likely running an easy effort. You can also use your heart rate and try to keep your heart rate under 70% of your maximum heart rate. Just make sure that you have a very good max heart rate reading. Let's avoid the old 220 minus your age formula as that's not very accurate. Instead, wear a chest heart rate strap on a very, very difficult workout or a race, and that will give you a, an accurate max heart rate reading. Now, a lot of runners prefer zones. And when we're first introducing new mileage, let's say you're comfortable running about 40 miles a week and you're building to 45 and 50 miles per week, we have to keep all of those extra runs really easy at a zone one or zone two effort. Zone two is, is probably preferred here. Now, when you get more comfortable with mileage levels, we can dip into some zone three training for briefer periods when you're more comfortable. Now, the reason why we wanna run higher mileage is that this is one of the big components of your total workload. This is how much you are training. So this is why a lot of runners ask, how many miles a week you're running. They just wanna know how much you're running on a weekly basis. And all that easy running, counterintuitively, really does a great job at helping you become a lot faster. It improves the structural development of your cells, like the number of mitochondria that you have. These are the little parts of your cell that help with energy metabolism. And energy metabolism is what we wanna focus on as distance runners. It, has, it allows you to process oxygen and improve the aerobic metabolism of your muscle cells. This is the foundation of your fitness. And like any good structure, the foundation is the most important part. Now, high mileage is also relative. I don't want anybody to think that they have to run 100 or 120 miles a week in order to achieve their goals. A lot of us have competing responsibilities. We have families, professional 
jobs to take care of, and we can't be part-time pro runners. <laughs> Even though I wish I could, it's really difficult to make that much time for that much mileage. High mileage is relative. It is relative to what you are doing right now and what you're capable of. I know for me, I maxed out at around 85 to 90 miles per week because my body just couldn't handle the stress of running much more than about 90 miles in a week. And so whenever I did, I would get injured. And so you have to really be honest with yourself about your limitations, both from a scheduling perspective, but also from how well your body can adjust to these mileage levels. Now, if you are someone who struggles with building mileage, if you're like me and you get to a certain mileage level and you always seem to get hurt, you always break, you can bridge this gap and supplement your easy running with cross training. Now, I do want to encourage runners to choose more running specific forms of cross training. And I think my favorites are cycling, pool running, and the elliptical. Those are probably my top three forms of running specific cross training. And we should think of these training sessions as additional easy runs. Let's keep that effort into that comfortable, controlled, conversational effort. Let's make sure that it's similar to a zone two run. And this is going to do very similar things as doing extra mileage. You know, my college coach, I'll bring him up once again, he had me supplement my running, my overall weekly mileage with cross training because I was a fairly injury prone runner. And he knew that if I was doing another couple hours of pool running and cycling during the week, I was going to be a lot stronger. I was going to have more aerobic capabilities. My tempo pace would be a little bit faster and I would just feel a lot better when I was doing some of those faster workouts. So if you are someone who can bridge the gap with some cross training, keep it easy, but it's really going to help your overall endurance as you continue to build your mileage. Okay, let's move on to our next strategy. This is our medium risk strategy. This is really focusing on the long run. The long run is for many runners the most important workout that they're going to do during the entire week. So if you're training for anything from the half marathon on up, then the long run is the most important training session of your week. And the long run does a lot of great things. I had a wonderful podcast conversation with David Roche. You can Google that. David Roche and long runs on the Strength Running Podcast. And we talked for an hour about long runs. And this type of run has you go a little bit longer than your average run during the week. And its goal is to build endurance. It is one of the best types of runs to do for improving your stamina and your aerobic metabolism. It also does a lot of other great things like it improves your economy or your running form efficiency. Because if you're running for a very long time and you're wasting a lot of energy, your body has to learn almost the hard way of, of being more efficient over time. Now, this isn't a short-term fix. It takes months and years for your economy to improve, but ultimately the training you're doing is going to be the best way to improve your running economy. And the long run is a really important piece of that. The other great thing that a long run does is that improves your fuel management. So 
If you're someone who's training for a marathon, for example, you need to make sure that your body is efficiently using glycogen stores from your blood and your muscles, muscle cells so that you can actually run longer without needing additional carbohydrate. Now, of course, you're going to want carbohydrate during the race. You're going to want to fuel properly during many of your long runs so that you can train your gut to handle those calories. But long runs do teach your body to be more efficient with the fuel stores that you currently have. Now, a lot of runners ask, well, how often should I do a long run? I'm pretty bullish on long runs, so I think many runners, most runners, should be doing a long run most weeks of the year. Now, long run doesn't mean 20 miles. A long run is relative to you, very much like high mileage. It's all relative to what you're doing today. And that's one of the reasons why I love running. It's all scalable to your ability level and to your personal circumstances. So let's try to do a long run every weekend. Maybe we can take a cutback week every four to six weeks, but we also don't wanna build our long run too quickly. I like to say, what's better than a 15-mile run? Two 15-mile runs. Let's just continue to do longer long runs without necessarily building the distance every single week. So you could maybe go up about a mile or two kilometers in distance every two weeks and then have a cutback week every six weeks. And this schedule allows your body time to adjust and adapt to the higher distance long run. Now, in terms of how long you should actually be going, again, it's relative, but here are some good benchmarks based on the distances that you might be training for. So for example, if you're training for a marathon, I definitely like to see runners gradually build their long run up to about 18 to 20 miles. Sometimes more advanced runners can go up to 22 miles for their marathon long run, but let's just make sure we're not running much more than about three and a half hours. The benefits start to diminish while the injury risk really starts to increase. So we don't have to run the full marathon distance before we get to the starting line on marathon race day. Now, if you're training for a half marathon, I would say the minimum distance that you should run during training is 10 miles. If you can run 10 miles or 16 kilometers in your training program before the race, you can be confident that when you're better rested, perhaps when you're better fueled, and with the magic of race day, when there's crowd support and the announcer's there and he fires the gun and you've got competitors around you, that's really going to help you bridge the gap between your 10-mile long run and the 13.1-mile half marathon distance. Now, if you're training for any other distance race that's shorter than the half marathon, I still think these double-digit long runs are going to be helpful for you. I think it's very instructive to look at some elite runners. Particularly, I like looking at Nick Willis. He's a New Zealand miler, so he focuses on the mile and the 1500, and he often runs 16 to 18 miles for his long run when he's training for this event. Now, of course, not every week, and he'll certainly structure them a little bit differently, but what he's doing is indexing for endurance. And even a race as short as the mile is still predominantly aerobic. You need a great aerobic system even to run fast in a middle distance event like the mile. No matter what distance your long run is at currently, let's make it a priority. 
Let's make sure that we are properly prepared for this long run, that we recover adequately after that long run and gradually build the distance over time. If you can comfortably get to a point where you are comfortable running a double digit long run most weeks of the year, you will have enormous flexibility with your race goals. You can jump into a marathon training plan. You could train for any other distance practically. And you don't have to have a long building phase where you're getting the distance up and you're essentially training for the training. You will already be well-trained and then you can get started on any type of training plan that you'd like to start. Now, our final strategy is our most risky strategy. And this is to run aerobic workouts. Now, this strategy is the most risky from an injury perspective because we are running fast. Anytime you're running faster than your easy pace, it's essentially the equivalent of heavier weightlifting in the gym. Fast running is to heavy weightlifting. It's the same sort of analogy here. And the key here is to make sure that these workouts are aerobic. This is the next step and the most risky option. Now, these workouts are at lactate threshold and slower. Now, what is lactate threshold? Lactate threshold is often called your tempo pace. Tempo or lactate threshold is that zone of effort where you are straddling the line between running aerobically or with oxygen and anaerobically or without oxygen. If there is one single metric that predicts running performance, it is likely your lactate threshold. It's the fastest you can run while still processing all of that lactate, all of that exercise byproduct that ultimately, if it builds up in your muscle cells, creates this acidic environment. That's when you start you know, feeling like you have heavy legs and it starts to burn and you ultimately have to slow down. So let's say you're running your 5K race pace. You are running on borrowed time because you are running anaerobically. You can only maintain 5K pace, theoretically, for 5,000 meters. Any longer and you just have to slow down because there's too much lactate in your system. So by doing a lot of tempo running or lactate threshold workouts, we are training the body to number one, process and buffer that lactate within our muscle cells. We want to be very efficient clearers of lactate. As soon as our body produces it, we want to break it down, turn it into fuel, and get it out of that muscle cell, or else we're going to have to slow down. And by spending a lot of time in that lactate threshold space, we'll be accomplishing just that. Now, the key with tempo or lactate threshold is not to go too fast. I would actually rather have runners be a little bit too slow than a little bit too fast. Because as soon as you break through that bubble of running aerobically and you get into that anaerobic threshold where you're running on borrowed time, there's too much lactate building up, then you defeat the purpose of the workout. So let's rather buffer less lactate than not be able to buffer lactate at all. Now, there are a lot of other types of workouts we can do that would be considered aerobic workouts. Anything that's done at half marathon race pace or marathon race pace or your tempo pace will be considered an aerobic workout. This could be long hill climbs. This could be fartlek sessions or track intervals or repeat miles on the road. 
it almost doesn't matter how you structure the workout. It's more about the pace than the actual structure of the workout. So make sure that you're keeping these types of aerobic workouts to those paces, lactate threshold and slower, and you'll know that you are doing great aerobic workouts that are building your endurance. Now, if you're totally new to these types of workouts, don't worry. We can start with something very simple. I like to have runners do a very simple fartlek workout where maybe they're running only one to two minutes at a harder effort. And that effort might be somewhere between their tempo pace and their half marathon race pace. This allows you to get some experience with running at these efforts, which aren't, to be honest, terribly fast. But it's important for us runners to get comfortable with them, to understand what they feel like, and to build over time. The important part is to get started, and then we can get a little bit more formal and a little bit more complex over time. Now, of course, if you're building endurance, if you're trying to run higher mileage or build your long run or get comfortable with tempo workouts, <laughs> truth be told, you'll probably never be comfortable with tempo workouts. A lot of coaches will describe it as comfortably hard, which doesn't really sound too comfortable with me. But no matter which strategy you're choosing here, this all depends on consistency. Consistency, consistency, consistency. It is running regularly. It's doing a long run regularly. It's doing a workout most weeks of the year. I like to say that consistency is the secret sauce of successful running. There is no silver bullet, but to build our endurance, to get fast, to get stronger, we first have to be consistent. Now, I do want to help you with that because if you are getting injured and we're structuring this entire conversation here around least risky to most risky options for building endurance, if you're someone who struggles with injuries, we have to focus on that first. I was just at the Endeavor Run running retreat and a lot of the questions that were asked were very interesting to me and I kept talking about this concept of one thing at a time. It doesn't matter if you are trying to lose weight and train for a race, or maybe you're trying to treat an injury while building your mileage. We need to do one thing at a time, or else we risk just being mediocre at both things. We won't be able to build our mileage, and we won't truly get healthy from that injury. So let's focus on getting healthy first. Let's focus on proper recovery, on treating any additional existing injuries that we currently have so that we can actually implement these suggestions for building endurance. Now, I do want to give you a resource before we end for today. I've worked with a blockbuster group of professional runners to bring you their most tested and proven recovery ideas. If you've ever been curious how elite runners, and actually there's one triathlete as well, if you've ever been curious about how they handle all that running and all that volume without getting hurt, this book is for you. And if you wonder what recovery options a pro prioritizes, you won't want to miss it. Get it at strengthrunning.com elites. I call it the little black book of recovery and injury prevention. You're going to hear from Olympian Dathan Ritzenhine, world's toughest mutter champion Amelia Boone, national trail running champ David Roche, pro triathlete Kelly O'Mara, winner of the Leadville Trail 100 Ian Sharman, 100K national champ Devin Yanko, Joseph Gray, the world mountain running champion, 
Andy Wacker, who's the trail half marathon national champion, and Max King, the U.S. national ultra running champion. Each of these world-class athletes shares their favorite recovery or injury prevention strategy, and their responses are incredibly varied, which I find truly fascinating. There's many more ways to accomplish a job, and you'll learn that from reading all of these incredible answers from these athletes. You'll hear about post-race recovery, why you should eat a lot, how to return to running after an injury, and what mistakes to avoid, and the virtues of eliminating busyness from your life. You can get it at strengthrunning.com elites, and I will email you your free digital copy in just a few minutes. So let's build that foundation of strength and sound training so we can stay healthy. Let's prioritize consistency so we can progress with our training, and then we can get busy building endurance. All right, thank you for listening in, my friends. If you found value in this episode, I would so appreciate a quick review and Apple Music or wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And if you love this podcast, please support our sponsors who help make it possible using the links and discount codes signal to them that the Strength Running Podcast is worth supporting so I can keep on making episodes. First, get your sleep right with Impossible Sleep, a new performance sleep drink to help high performers get the most out of their nightly rest. It's melatonin-free, so you won't have that common grogginess feeling while still providing deep recovery and gently lulling you to sleep. Learn more about it at impossible.co slash Jason, and be sure to use code Jason20 to save 20% off on your first subscription order. The product is really simple, which is why I love it. It only has two ingredients, with magnesium to promote muscle recovery and deep sleep, and L-theanine for a subtle calming effect that helps you wind down at the end of the day. Now, if you're like me, you, you don't really have problems pushing your limits, going for long runs, and rocking workouts, but you might struggle to fall asleep at the end of the day. Sometimes I just lie wide awake in bed thinking about my to-do list, my training goals, or just stressing out about normal life anxieties. But high-achieving runners have to prioritize their sleep. Sleep is like a performance-enhancing drug that allows us to absorb our training, improve, and then race faster. Impossible Sleep helps you optimize your bedtime routine so you can get as much deep recovery as possible. And when you consider that studies have shown that sleep loss can lead to glucose imbalances, increased anxiety, and your risk of getting sick, it's a no-brainer to get as much high-quality sleep as you can. Now you can get 20% off your first subscription order at impossible.co slash Jason with code Jason20. That's 20% off your first subscription order at impossible.co slash Jason. And don't forget to use that code Jason20 to get your 20% savings at checkout. Next, support our newest sponsor. Say Sky is a running apparel brand from Copenhagen with a unique, urban, minimalist vibe that I love. See all their amazing gear at saysky.us. Their mission is to elevate the apparel scene of running and nurse the next generation of athletes who love this sport, but also have a laid back mindset. Their products, from long sleeve shirts to t-shirts, half tights and full length tights, base layers, sports bras, singlets, shorts, you name it. But it's not just their selection and style that speaks to me. They also carry environmentally responsible products. Look for the responsible logo on any 
of their products. And then you can be rest assured that the product is made from at least 40% recycled material, it's biodegradable, organic, or it's made with natural fibers that were processed responsibly. This year, at least 50% of their products will be labeled responsible, and they hope to be at 75% by 2025. Get yourself some stylish, environmentally responsible, and incredibly high-quality gear at saysky.us. All right, thank you for being here, my friend. We'll be in touch soon.